Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. This is Reasons to be Cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. Hello, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Here it is. Or should I say AMA? It is. It's a Christmas AMA, sadly. AMA, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> have, you been on the, have you been on the snowballs already? I've been on the mulled wine, yeah. Well, here we are, and it is our Christmas episode. Sadly, we can't be together, but we are each in our cheerful cabins, separately, we are. zooming. We are. Quite like the idea of a, ch- a cheerful cabin. It's like, it's, it's sort of, it conjures up sort of wooden huts and sort of saunas. Yes. How else do you uh, imagine the Christmas cheerful cabin to be? So the sauna, the snow, if you like, mm. Um, little sort of mini studio in the corner, mm-hmm. big telly. I fear it's a leather sofa. You know, typically there would be uh, the, the the head of a deer or a stag mounted on the wall, but we, yes, we don't want yes. that. We don't want that, do we? We don't want no, a stag to have come no. to any harm. No. So what would what would we have on the wall? Uh, 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 a bust of you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? Nice, yeah. I think you've painted a beautiful festive scene for the listeners. Yeah, um, good. And it's our first ever AMA. Uh, yes. Ask me anything, ask us anything, as it turns out. Yes. And we've just had the best response from our listeners, as we always do. Uh, but we've had yeah. some fantastic questions. We're going to get through as many of them as possible. And we've divided them up into sections, which I think is uh, is probably the best way to do it. So we'll just yeah. we'll just start off, we'll ease ourselves in with some general questions, and then yeah. uh, maybe get into some stuff about the world and politics and current affairs. Then maybe uh, bring it back to the podcast itself, and then finish up with some festive Christmas ones. How does that sound? That sounds fan-dabby-dozy. As the Crankies would say. Would the Crankies be in the cabin with us in a in an ideal world? Maybe. So that's going to be the shape of things. But to get started, shall we do our reasons to be cheerful from the week? Well, my reason to be cheerful is actually a Christmas reason to be cheerful, which is that... I mean, Christmas presents... I've got my birthday and Christmas... And it's always slightly traumatic, I think, for Justine to have to buy me presents. And you may remember about nine months ago, I was after these 
Nike Vaporfly I trainers that do, make you the, run these a lot ones faster. that would give you a competitive advantage at park run. Yeah. And basically they always seem to sell out. Anyway, I sort of managed to nab some. And that's going to be... What, you mug somebody? That happens. No. You mug somebody I for bought... their trainers. I've heard of that. It's no. usually teenage no. kids, but... I bought them on the... I, I, I tell you what, I bought them on the internet from Nike. And I had sort of terrible trouble because for some reason I couldn't... It would, the order wouldn't go through. And then a week later, a few days later, I then did it. And bizarrely enough, they gave me like 25% off. It said for your birth for birthday. I didn't know whether that was Nike's birthday or my birthday. Anyway, that's so fantastic. there you go. And I've, I, you know, I, I've exercised great willpower in not using the trainers before now. So that's my reason to be cheerful that my presence, that my present for Justine and her present for me have both been sorted. Well, on, on to my reason to be cheerful. Yeah. And, um, I think this, this is going to be kind of a tough one for you to swallow in a certain way, but I've been very bad with Christmas presents this year mm. uh to, to 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 the extent where i'm kind of kicking it into the long grass and i'm going to try and do something nice for people uh in the new year you i s- think we're in particular circumstances we, which we are makes it acceptable you, yourself included this is mm-hmm. however mm-hmm. i did manage to get the perfect thing for the co-host of my other podcast annabelle ah, what is it have you heard of this app called cameo no it's basically famous people will record a video message for you. Uh, like Chris Christie will do it. Yes, Chris exactly. Chris Christie is on it. Exactly. I the think, governor, former governor of New Jersey. Yeah, I think Scaramucci's on it as well, actually. I think there's a, a few wow. of... Uh, yeah, uh, a, f- a few of those, uh, those... So who have you got to do it? Right. Well, Annabelle is a huge fan of the film Grease. Yeah. And I Travolta. To get, well, not Travolta, sadly. But I managed to get Didi Con, who played Frenchie in the film Grease to record a message for her. And it's just terrific. Um, I made a list. How, how of, much, how much do you pay for it? it, it it's, it's in the double figures. The double figures is in pounds. Well, here's the thing. You, you can find people who are a tenor. And then if you wanted, say Snoop Dogg, it's in the hundreds or perhaps thousands of pounds yeah. but there's a lot of people sort of knocking around in the 35 to 55 pound well, range that's pretty reasonable yeah and dd con sent me a message this morning and it's her in a front room talking about greece saying hi annabelle i hear your favorite song is beauty school dropout which i put in the note because I know that's her least favorite part of the film um and and uh, she's saying i'd like to make you an honorary pink lady and at the end she sort of goes what babaloo up or what bamboo so even though i've dropped the ball on christmas with pretty much everybody in my life uh Annab- annabelle has got a terrific christmas present frenchy from greece well there you go yeah. what, so that is your reason to be cheerful you found the perfect present for, for annabelle. annabelle and you're not insulted and upset that i got annabelle something and i didn't didn't get you anything i'm really not no okay right well, shall we delve into the questions then? Let's delve, yeah. I'm going to rummage in the stocking. That's why I, I want to sort of rummage. Okay, uh, here, I'm, I'm a good rummage here in the stocking. Let's see what comes out. The balls of the home team will be drawn by... Do you remember the FA Cup third round draw? I do, I do. And the lottery anyway. with Lancelot and Guinevere. All right, I'm delving in, delving in for the first general question. Okay, and here it is. 
This comes from Hannah Kennedy, who says, oh, this is good. Would you rather go back to age five with everything you know now or know now everything your future self will learn? Age five. So you would like to, at age five, know everything you know now? No, actually, that's a good point. Mm. I I think it has to be uh, know now everything you'll learn for the rest of your life because of course there'd be some sadness in there you know maybe when your loved ones are departing yeah you know which parts of the world are going to be on fire in the next five years or whatever but by and large there is a wonder to learning when you're young and a surprise and as you get older those surprises get less intense it's just stuff like oh i see mini cheddars have uh, launched a new flavor but, you know, do you know what i mean like it's less wondrous as you get older so i i think you know i i, I would rather just say oh come on then and then you could just like drift through the rest of your life shrugging everything off you wouldn't have to worry about anything because you'd know it was coming there'd be but no uncertainty Maybe there's something quite deep here, which is that actually the uncertainty of life is both um, very problematic. But I don't think you would really want to. I mean, I don't think you really would want to know, would you? I think the answer is neither. Well, that's you're not allowed to answer neither. It's it's an either or question. Well, bollocks to that. (laughs) All right, here comes another one. This is from Chris Bradley, who says. Do you wish you had the career of the other? So, in other words, would I like Ed's career? I don't. I don't think so. I don't want that kind of. <laughs> I don't want that kind of scrutiny or responsibility. Uh, would I like your career? Yeah. I mean, maybe not my career as it is now. Maybe at its peak. <laughs> Not your career working with me. My head is exploding. Uh, um yeah um you enjoyed being a dj when you were on radio 2 for that that week didn't you i don't think i'm that i don't think it's i think you've got a certain je ne sais quoi which i don't think i is it erasmus you think i've got erasmus yeah it's not just charisma uh, have i got some charisma charisma you got Um, my wife you know the first time she met you she thought you were just the most charismatic person she had ever met and then and then she's realised. No, it's just uh, law of diminishing returns, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, the um, <gasps> well, whose career would you? Well, okay, you wouldn't like mine, mm. and I'm sort of okay about yours. Uh, what? What? Whose would you like then? Well, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be an astronaut, and you know, it's, it's never never too late, is it? I think I would quite like to have been an actor. I mean, the thing is, often people ask me, mm. "What would you have done if you hadn't been a politician?" And I never say actor because I don't think I would have been that particularly successful actor. i think I anybody like who would have anybody who's seen any of our promo videos would beg to differ mm, that's <laughs> nice of you to say but i was i did some acting in primary school um and then and then you had to sing in secondary school and i was very shy about my singing well you have uh, a very idiosyncratic singing voice as we learned at karaoke but lots of the uh, tom waits has a very idiosyncratic singing voice and he's had a long and successful career so i think i, I think it would have been quite I'd quite liked. I quite liked acting. Um, what's the career you'd like to have had then? Well, as I say, I think I would have quite liked to have been an, an, an astronaut. An astronaut. Zero gravity seems fun. Although I think there's a lot of physical training and probably mathematics that I wouldn't be very cut out. Also, for. I think there would have been toileting issues that, given you know your toileting <laughs> sort of 
sort of issues you know i'm not sure don't you think yes i am very prolific of uh of bodily function it's not, well no i wasn't i wasn't sort of i wasn't to being critical of your sort of prolificness i was more thinking you know yeah i, I think it would i think it would pose you some challenges uh Mm. Well, it's a good question. It was. Well, I think we think we answered it. Um, yeah. Next ish, one, yeah. delving in. This comes from Kirk Cook, yeah. who says, "Would you consider publishing a book about parenting? Your kids sound amazing. I still can't believe Ed's son's favourite book when he was eight was To Kill a Mockingbird. I didn't read it until I was thirty. I don't think I would be a very good book on parenting. Well, my wife would definitely think I was ill. Ill." ill-qualified but your boys are so great well that's nice but it's sort of a a it's luck and b it's justine uh and i'm way down the list if channel four came along and said we're thinking of bringing back super nanny but uh we'd we'd like you to be the super nanny super ed yes no definitely not um i mean i do think there's one thing i've learned about my about children which my parents weren't very good at which is it is really important to talk to them about their feelings, mm. which I did think was just not a very fashionable thing to do in the 1980s. No, not at all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it is really, what I've realized is it requires massive effort, at least with our children, to get them to talk about it. Oh my God. Eugene, I mean, Eugene's younger, so who knows how it'll pan out. He's only four and a half, but he loves talking about his feelings. One of his first books was called How Do You Feel? And it was a monkey with different sort of facial expressions. And it, I feel shy. I feel confident. And he really latched onto it. And now he, you know, he'll always say, you hurt my feelings. Or, um, he, he's, he's obsessed with telling me, especially he says, I love you in harmony. I don't want to always pick this up from, but we were on the bus the other day and a kid got on behind him and eugene just turned straight round to this kid and went i love you in harmony and the kid didn't know what to make of him i said gene get to to know him first buy him a drink and just just calm it down a little bit (laughs) maybe 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 we've been too free with our feelings our generation well that's good jeff i think that speaks well for you i hope so i hope so the next one comes from oh christ uh it's from my mother-in-law lynn barron Yep. Who says? It wouldn't be complete without your mother in law. Of course not, no. Uh, I, I greatly respect Jeff's and Ed's opinion. And as an American, I would like to know their views on the current state of democracy in the USA. Hopeful? Fearful? Thank you. Well, I would say hopeful. I mean, must. I, I was quite. It's quite interesting, this, isn't it? We were all petrified that Trump was going to win. Now that Biden's won, there's a certain sense in which it's sort of being banked, isn't it? I mean, I know that it it wasn't ideal because he may not be in control of the Senate, depending on what happens in Georgia. It was a relatively narrow win and all that. But our it's funny, it's, it's partly a sort of human kind of dynamic thing, isn't it? Our relief that... Trump is out has been rather short lived. I mean, but do you think it will become more pronounced when he's inaugurated Biden? Yeah, I think so. My worry is that we just treat it like, oh, that's that's uh, done and dusted now, and the circumstances that 
led to Trump are just yeah ig- ignored because I don't think you can put that back in the box and it needs engaging with and you know his his voters need engaging with and there's a and he's not gone away either. no no I mean that's uh, that's the other thing isn't I mean it? I think that's the other and, and also I suppose I'm going to sort of contradict myself now but I mean the number of people who sort of bought into the you know conspiracy theories about the election it was pretty depressing wasn't it that, yeah all that it was it was so uh hopefully- um I don't know whether that answers... Well, I think we're more hopeful than we were, uh, and we should count our blessings um, that Trump is out. She also asks, um, Ed, I'm wondering from one secular Jew to another, do you celebrate Hanukkah? And if so, what do you do? We don't really celebrate Hanukkah, but my parents never did. Um, And... You know, I, I, it's a bit sad that we don't really. Um, but but I think it's quite difficult if your parents would, I'm not making excuses, but if your parents were never into these traditions, they just sort of don't really get passed down. You know, you, they sort of fade away. They sort of fade out. Um, uh, although Lynn mentions at the end of her question, would your mum make latkes? Do you know, you know what latkes are? Yeah, little pancakes, right? Potato pancakes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did, I have on occasion, I could actually make, believe it or not, I actually can make quite nice uh, normal pancakes for my children, and I do relatively often. I also have on occasion tried to make potato pancakes with generally not brilliant results. I think I made, I think I sort of made my my parents-in-law's house into a kind of bombsite. (laughs) <laughs> trying to, their, their kitchen was a sort of disaster area as i kind of you know bits of sort of grated potato sort of flung against the wall and um uh, i've never really quite mastered the potato bank it says a sort of thing to do with getting rid of the liquid which i never quite managed to master but my mother did used to make potato lacquers and they were on occasion and they were incredibly nice this one comes from paul hickford who says how do you pronounce economics is the E like in tree or like in Ed? I think it's economics. I, th- I think, when, you know, my knowledge of economics goes back to home economics at school, and it was very much called home economics, not economics. I get confused on these things because I know that I pronounce the word ideology, both ideology and ideology. Mm. I don't know whether – is that, is that a U, an American, US, UK thing, or is it a more – I don't know – and and there's often an occasion on the podcast where you will pronounce a word differently to how I would pronounce it. And I think, oh, Ed must be right because he's a man of letters. Are you a man of think, letters? I don't think I've ever told you the, that when I was 18, I was an intern. In, in, I was living with my dad in America. And I was an intern at a television program called the McNeil Era News Hour on public television. And the thing the interns had to do was to answer the phone. And I got thrown into this on the first day. And I mean, honestly, I thought I was going to be fired off to the first day because as you're trying to make this news program at 6.30, I basically spent my whole time cutting everybody off from each other. They'd ring the switchboard and say, can I speak to so-and-so? And I'd say, yeah, I'll just put you through. And I'd put them through and I'd <laughs> mess it up. And then I'd, I mean, I remember having a, going back home and thinking, right, I'm definitely going to be fired. By the time it got to three quarters of an hour before the program, I basically 
everybody stopped rigging through the switchboard just running down the office because <laughs> they thought there's this guy there's this guy with a funny accent who just keeps cutting us off so i might as well go and run and see the person rather than kind of try and ring them because it's just so hopeless um, but the 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 thing that one of the things that was there was a guy who worked on the program who actually recently passed away called les right of course we would pronounce that les mm. yeah the americans pronounce that less as i would say a les crystals line and they'd say what i'm sorry live live les what <laughs> uh and this was one of the many anyway i don't know what made me think of that but the pronunciation uh issues but i, I wasn't very good at answering the phone but you you, you did a, a ppe degree the e you would describe uh, you would pronounce as economics economics okay but i'm uh, not, i'm sort of relaxed about it economics is fine too it's fine fine yeah yeah we yeah we, yeah we, we, don't you think yeah we can all understand i don't i'm not ideological about it <laughs> <laughs> or even uh, ideological oh this comes from sam pontin who says apologies jeff this is a question for ed Ed, have you ever considered growing a full moustache with a goatee beard? Think a la D'Artagnan. I think it would really suit you. With your growing influence, I think you could be well-placed to bring back facial hair in politics. But I did bring back facial hair after the general election of 2015. No, you had a bit of a stubble when you were in the wilderness, when you went off into the yeah. wilderness. But, but you, never went, was... you never went full beard, though, did you? Well, that was like full beard. Just, that was full beard. It's just I'm not very – it takes me a long time to grow a beard. But, you know, you've just got to be patient. Yeah, I'm sort of in two minds about facial hair, really. Thanks a lot. No, I mean, I, I'm sort of pro-facial hair. It's become very fashionable, facial hair, hasn't it? That's what worries me. Sort of men of a certain age in their sort of 20s and 30s. I mean, almost everybody's got facial hair. I know. I've, I've had a beard for over 20 years and I grew it because... Before uh, it was fashionable. Yeah, and I, I grew it like, you know, people did in those days because my face has no outline to it. So I thought at least a beard will help with that. But there's going to come a point in the near future where beards are no longer fashionable. And I never grew it to be fashionable. But instead of just being outside of fashion, I'm going to look like a man who's slightly behind the times. What do you think brought them back into fashion, apart from obviously me having one in 20, after 2015? <laughs> it's, um, it's a good question, isn't it? There, there, there was... Is it like the Anna Winter or something? I mean, who, who, who sort of decides these who things? Who decreed it? I yeah. don't know. Is this the sort of thing they talk about at Davos? It was obviously decided that they were in... Do you think it was like Prince Harry? No, it predates that. It predates that. I think... Um, I mean, so same... basically around 2015 when I grew one. Uh, maybe there people thought if he can grow a beard and doesn't look, you know, ridiculous, no, then no, anyone no. can. They were already calling it peak beard five years before that. What, was that 2010? I think so, yeah. Mm, or there or thereabouts. It, it's, it's been around for a while. But it's like tattoos as well, isn't it? I feel that when I was in my 20s, very few people had them. And now I feel that I'm the only person I know without one. And you, of course. I mean, there is th that one in a very private place that we... Yeah, we don't talk... About. We <laughs> definitely don't talk about that. Let's, let's move on at that point. Final one in this general section. Yeah. Helen French said, who would be your dream dinner party guests, Ed and AOC? Aww. Thanks, Helen. Uh, <laughs> she's why, in the dusty bin. You, oh. you, you just flatter me by pretending that I'm near the top yeah. of your list. You could make well, it three people. Well, maybe she thinks that you've got a sort of strong sense of self-worth um uh, <laughs> i don't think anyone thinks that um 
let's think about this. Who would my dream dinner party? I, I find this. I always find this very difficult. Actually, hmm. I find this very, very difficult. Um, I'm just sort of thinking. Really, uh, how many? How many guests do we get? Well, let's say three. Dead or alive? Could be either. Hmm. Okay. But if you choose dead people, it is just their cadavers. No, no, it's got to be the real person. Okay. Aristotle. Right. Um, Robert Kennedy. Mm. And I think uh, maybe Joan of Arc. Okay, yours. I would have my wife. Oh, shit. And then, and then you and your wife. I've suggested it on a number of occasions, and yet it's 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 never happened. It's almost like you're avoiding the invitation. Well, that I don't think that can be the case because we've had you round. I've suggested to you on on a number of times. I said, "Oh, we 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 should have dinner. We should do something." And uh, you always kick it into the long grass. I, I I feel I feel like slightly kind of you've called me a googly here. I thought you were going <laughs> to. I thought you were going to sort of come up with lots of sort of, you know. Poor Justine. If she ever hears this, she'll be saying, why didn't you invite me? Why Joan of Arc? Well, What's Joan of Arc got that I haven't? Well, I didn't know that, you know, one's spouse was sort of available. I mean, I just, uh, anyway. Right, come on, let's keep going. Next time you make overtures, she'll oh, be like, you're just thinking of Joan of Arc. For goodness sake. You're listening to Reasons to be Cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Right, on to the section which is kind of uh, uh, politics and the world and current affairs. So I'm delving in. And this one comes from Matthew Butcher, who says, A lot has changed in the world and our way of life in the last year, good and bad. I'd like to know what's one thing from our new way of life you'd like to see continue once COVID has been brought under control and life returns to quote-unquote normal? I'm just thinking it's a really good question. Okay, I'm not going to go for a specific thing. I think that there has been a spirit of solidarity in the country which I do think is, I wouldn't say it's different from what there was before, because I think that spirit was always there. But I think I think there's been more of a sense of our sort of duty to look after each other. Um, and I know that sounds a bit waffly, but I think that is quite important. So I think, okay, maybe, maybe I'll say that one. And then a specific thing. I think despite the fact that it's been very, very mixed, that lots of people haven't been able to work from home and for a lot of people working from home has been very difficult, I think the ability to work more flexibly has been, you know, has been something that I think a lot of people want to carry on with if they possibly can. What about you? Good answer. I think I'd like to keep the mask. Really? 
Yeah, I, I feel that people are a lot nicer to me with the mask on than than they ever were without it. Why? You know, you know they say like good looking people get treated differently in the world. I think whatever is wrong with my face is kind of from the eyes downwards. And once the mask is on, people are very nice to me. There's nothing wrong with your face. What is that? It's, it's not. It's not great. It's not great. Why did you say that? I don't know. I look like a, it's got hamster cheeks. Got very thin lips. Bit gummy. I think you're being too hard on your face. Um, don't cut off your nose to spite your face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't keep on your mask to spite your face. Exactly. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, this is from Nick Bibby, yeah. who says, looking forward to 2030 and 2040, what do you each feel optimistic about for the future? What do you think, stroke, hope the world um, uh, might be different? I guess in which ways? <laughs> Our towns and cities, electric cars, walking and cycling, pollution levels cut, lots more green space, um, uh, and uh, being able to teleport from one country to another. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm just going to give every, everything he said. Everything, the last everything one, the, the teleporting was a bit sort of was a bit made up but but you never know yeah what do you feel optimistic about for 2030 or 2040 um i mean i i I tend to uh oscillate wildly between feeling like the world is you know that that doom is coming but the more we do the podcast i mean more we talk about the ideas around climate change and we see the will and there was something that came up actually very very recently you know how quickly we adapted to the not adapted to but but took on the challenge of the pandemic and developed yes and changed our way of life yes um I, I thought that as an analogy for what we need to do about the climate emergency was really powerful to me and uh, it made me feel much more optimistic that uh, that that we can do it and create a better world yes okay Okay, next one comes from Pete Doverston, yeah. who says, whatever became of the slab of stone with the 2015 Labour oh, election com- commitment carved into it, does it still exist? But he, he raises an interesting question. He says, would it be available for purchase? This could, it could be like Everything the Bur- has its price, Pete. You think it could be like the Berlin Wall? Yes, you could ch- you chisel bits off. I mean, basically, I mean actually... You know, and money for laid party funds. Who did? Did you have to like go get the yellow pages out and look for a stonemason? I didn't. I I wasn't involved in the you delegated. I wasn't actually involved in the sort of production of the stone. I think. I think. Um, I think perhaps we should move on. You, have you ever considered? You know, when when after a long and happy life, you're laid to rest. Have you considered having it as your headstone? Oh, for, for, for goodness' sake! <laughs> You're so mean. Uh, Okay, I've got another one here. This is from from Andy Wheeler, who says, when listening to the podcast, I keep thinking that a lot of the challenges uh, we experience now may have started from a similar place. Do you think that a lot of reforms made during the Thatcher years may have led to long-term problems in the UK, such as the weakening of the strength of the unions, etc.? What do you think? Uh, so I think the short answer is yes. I think kind of students of modern history 
spot a, a bit of a fork in the road at that point you know there was the post-war atley government and then the, the sort of consensus around that and then you know thatcher was another turn but i the, the other th- i'm always slightly wary of looking at this stuff just on a national yeah, domestic yeah. level because those kind of changes happened in in quite you know to varying degrees but in a lot of similar countries in a similar time frame so i often think there are it makes it sound uh, too much like a conspiracy but sort of bigger forces at work but there's de- definitely something in the air w- the world economy um and and world geopolitics shapes this stuff as well surely right yeah i mean it's an interesting question what have what if thatcher hadn't have won how different would the world have been? I mean, all Britain would have been. I mean, I think if Britain would have been different. Um, I think you're sort of right about big forces. I mean, one doesn't want to be too deterministic about it, but somehow there is a sort of sense of, you know, there's this cycle, isn't there, between the sort of late 70s and that collapse of that old settlement of the welfare state and all that, and then the sort of 2000s and the financial crisis, and we're sort of in the... It feels like we're in the sort of long transition to something else. I mean, it feels like, in a sense, that's the point of the podcast, isn't it? We're trying to navigate our way to something else, and I tend to think the financial crisis, Brexit... uh, what's been revealed during covid not not covid itself what's been revealed during COVID, they all speak to this sense of crisis and the country not really working for people and and we're trying to navigate our way to something something better but but i think look i think you've basically got a point hasn't he um i think some of what thatcher did would have happened anyway even if it hadn't been thatcher but i think there's a lot of a lot of it, you know. What what, she, what was that famous quote of hers? Economics is the method, but the object is to change the soul. Um, which she said in a Sunday Times interview in the early nineteen eighties. And I think there's something in that. I think that's kind of what I was saying about the pandemic. Is it sort of revealed that maybe she didn't change the soul? All right, good good answer. I think. Send us your ideas or suggest a guest for a future episode. Email reasons at cheerfulpodcast.com. Find us on Facebook or tweet at cheerfulpodcast. Right, on to some some questions about the podcast itself. This comes from Sally D, who says, How did Ed and Jeff meet? Well, it is a meet-cute story, isn't it, Ed? Meet-cute. That's when people are describing how the relationship starts. They often refer it to as, oh, it's a real meat cute. Oh, it is cute. Yeah. How, talk about it from your perspective. Well, in the run-up to the 2015 election, um, I was asked if I wanted to interview politicians, and I was excited at the prospect of having Ed on, so I sort of agreed to um, all the parties because I'd seen – Ed speak at a couple of things and I just thought the way you talked to people and how loose and funny you were in the couple of rooms where I'd seen you was something I was curious to I was I wanted to talk to that person struggling to get out yeah. basically yeah a little bit yeah but um 
but so so that was that, that's the answer really. But the thing I remember most about, I mean, the interview of it's on YouTube if people want to find it. But the thing I remember most about beforehand is your small talk was all about radio frequencies. I think you'd probably talked to so many people on the campaign trail, you were running short of things to say. So as you sat down with me, you were sort of asking about what frequency it was, and then naming other frequencies and asking which station was it such and such a number. You've never told me that. <laughs> Yeah, That's yeah, so funny. <laughs> so you're going. So is Maybe, this one? It's one oh five points. But you know, I was very interested in frequencies as a child. I think. <laughs> mm. You know, because <laughs> it was, really really came out in your small talk. Well, there was long wave. Yes, fifteen hundred wasn't it? Radio four was fifteen hundred. I think long mm. wave. Um, and occasionally we'd go to France, and um, uh, you'd be able to get test match special on long wave. Uh, on the car radio and radio luxembourg as well was that on long wave that would sort of fade in and out that might be medium wave i think that was a bit sort of music oriented for me uh um yes so you that- had your lbc what frequency was lbc then ed 97.3 uh what frequency was capital radio 95.8 it's very impressive <laughs> uh, <laughs> i know my frequencies <laughs> You do. No, this is, Radio uh, 5 Live, 909 nine, 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 and 693 was radio, right. yeah. was radio yeah. 2, of course. Uh-huh. Which I think was 909 and 693. Right. There you go. This is, this, this Honestly, is very, this is a, this hidden, is a hidden side of me, isn't it? Oh, it's it 198 is. long wave. It's not 1500. It's 198 long wave. What am I saying, okay. 1500? You've humiliated yourself. Yeah, I know, but I sort of sold you a dummy, didn't I? Because you agreed with me. <laughs> Um, i don't have a crib sheet of frequencies in front of me i'm not quite as au fait with a long wave dial um uh, yeah so we met through that and i think the interview well people said about the interview that i sounded vaguely human uh which was a sort of change for the better um and uh we had fun we had fun and obviously it's interesting isn't it that despite being absolutely so um buttoned up I did sort of let my hair down in that interview. And I wasn't sort of, you asked me about whether I'd done a Mooney, Manic Minor, uh, various other things. And I wasn't, I mean, I I wasn't perhaps as loose as I am with you now, but I I was sort of reasonably relaxed, wasn't I? I Maybe I just kind of then got to realise that you were not trying to do me in, basically. Is that how you would approach? I mean, I guess it's how all politicians approach interviews. You you think, oh, there's there's something coming that's going to. I think it was so difficult when you were when I was leader of the opposition, and I think it's quite interesting because I think it's a mindset that I've had to learn to get out of, and I suspect it's still a work in progress. Which is, you know, you are so conscious that you might say the wrong word in the wrong place and it becomes a thing and it gets taken up by the newspapers and all that, that it makes one very overly cautious, you know, and, and very far too controlled and constrained. And so I think yes is the answer to that question. You know, remember it's an election campaign. You're trying to control the message. You're not trying to say a word out of place, which can then become a problem. And, you know, that has its real downsides. But fortunately, Donald Trump has changed that for all politicians. Well, forever. it's funny. I was thinking that as you as you were saying that. I mean, I think there is a, there's an element of truth in it. 
Well, how would you approach the interview? Well, with me, we knew how you're approaching you said, but more generally. What approach interview? Yeah. It, it depends what I'm doing. If I'm doing stuff on BBC Radio 5 Live, I feel that I've got a responsibility to ask the questions that that listeners of all sort of political persuasions want answering. And do you, and have you, to a politician. And do you ever think when you're approaching these interviews, I'll ask her or him that because they might, uh, I'll skewer them? No, I don't, I don't, well, I don't, I don't want to. Yeah, you know, I don't think that's what I'm good at. I feel like what what I like doing as an interviewer is trying to get a real flavour of who that person is across to the listener. That I feel feel that I'm much more comfortable doing that kind of. And even and what if you've got like a government minister or a Labour spokesperson about Brexit, let's say? Well, that's that's what I mean. So if I'm doing that stuff, I'm just trying to you know ask yeah. ask the questions yeah. that the listener wants yeah. answering whereas i'm doing entertainment radio or a podcast or whatever I'm, i i just want to I, I read a good thing i forget who it was but one of the guardians interviews said i want to give the reader a sense of what it's like to be in the room with that person yeah and that's what i always want to do it with an interview is sort of get a sense of of what they're really like away from the pre-prepared answers so dot around all over the place with questions and try and ask questions that other people aren't okay this comes from hilda de groot hilda's a great name isn't it there's not enough hildas at the moment we need a we need a resurgence of hilda hilda anybody's yeah, have we got any pregnant listeners at the moment looking for a name? I think Hilda should go on the list. Yeah. Uh, Hilda says, which findings from an episode have had the most impact on your personal lives? And then she adds, this is interesting, she says, for me, it's the episode on mental health with Alistair Campbell, in which he shared tools for coping with depression. I asked my husband to listen to the episode, and we decided to adopt the method of giving your day a grade from one to ten. This has been working well, and we would never have thought of it without the podcast. It's funny she should say that, Hilda should say that, because I think quite a lot, not every day, but quite a lot about Alistair and the jam jar. Do you remember the jam jar? Yes. You know that your jam, the jam jar, I think, gets filled up with your troubles. You've got to try and make the jam jar bigger. And I often think about like the, my swimming. He, he he also swims, not in the pond, but um, or riding my bicycle as sort of expanding the jam jar a bit. I think a lot about the thing he said uh, about uh, the curtain on his landing and how he's able to judge how well or poorly he's doing mental health wise whether he can be bothered opening the curtain or not because that was just the most fantastic articulation i thought as you know i've I've had stuff with mental health for, for years and it was a really fantastic articulation of what can feel herculean and and, and often when you're in the pit you you don't know how bad things are. You lose all perspective. But I thought that was a tangible thing that can tell you how well you're doing, whether you can be bothered, you know, in his case, opening that little curtain. It's a funny one, isn't it? That that's, interview seems to have really uh, struck a chord with a lot of people. He s- speaks about mental health, I think, so candidly and, and eloquently. I mean, maybe we, but maybe that tells you something quite important, which is, Maybe, maybe in a sense, I'm not very good at recognizing this, which is 
why I haven't been very good at recognizing this, and maybe we need to recognize it more, which is the things that often speak to people. I mean, we talk about ideas in the podcast and they really speak to people, I hope. But, the, but I mean, people talking honestly about themselves. People just respond well to authenticity. Yeah. Although even authenticity has become slightly loaded, hasn't it? Um, the word authenticity has become better. But I mean, I take your point. I think it's just, I think it's two things, isn't it? It's authenticity, but it's also sort of your humanity, I don't know, or sort of, yeah. And and when I was, when I was just thinking about Hilda's question, I, I was struggling to pinpoint a moment, but I was thinking something I think about a lot with regards to this podcast is empathy. Yeah. And about how important i mean we've we've done episodes about it and touched on it as a theme lots of times but i think understanding each other's stories and understanding what life is like for other people and and how it feels and how it's different to your own is is really key to a lot of the ideas and to fixing divisions and i think take alistair as an example there i think i think him speaking honestly has made people understand mental health a lot better so so they're gaining empathy i think the the empathy comes from um people being brave enough to be honest and and tell stories this comes from jasper hayward who says uh, i love the podcast i listen fairly religiously that's the why only fairly, Jasper? He can give us a five-star review if he hasn't already as a sort of sure. recompense. No, 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 that, that would be your penance. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've not listened in a little while. So to no, the best of my that's knowledge, not good. Not... No, no. That's not what? good. Well, he's saying he hasn't listened in a little while. I mean, that, that no. is, now, he's, now I've fallen off the Jasper bus. <laughs> right, okay, uh, get me back on the Jasper bus. Okay, he says, please, we, the listeners, need to know the Leisure Centre story. Whenever it's mentioned, my hopes get raised, then you dash them so cruelly by refusing to budge. Explaining this story would be the pick-up fairy tale ending to 2020 this nation needs. Oh, Jasper, you know, we've been talking about the Leisure Centre story for the last 30 episodes. You should just go back and listen to them all. Okay, I'm going to tell the Leisure Centre story. Go on. So, picture the scene. Yeah. There I am. Yeah. At the Leisure Centre. Yeah. Life was never the same again after that fateful day. That is a stonking story. Yep. If Hollywood wants to buy the film rights to that one, let's start a bidding war. Worth waiting for. Wowza. Absolutely. Right. Shall we move on to some Christmas questions? Yeah. So Verity says, I have one slightly odd question for the Q&A app. Has Jeff got anything planned for a main for Christmas dinner from a fellow veggie looking for recommendations? Well, um, here's the thing. I have ordered a box from Rudy's Vegan Butchers, which has got the full meat substitute Christmas dinner ready to go. So it's got like a mock turkey roll. There's slices of pastrami. There are uh, meatballs for a cold plate i guess there are veg there's like brussels sprouts with pretend bacon on it but sarah which i'm looking forward is that just for you or for everybody 
Well, I'm going to put it on the on the table. Is it for what? Is it for one or not? I'm asking for me. No, actually. it's like a it's a family it's oh, right. a family box. Okay. Um, so I'm excited to try that. But Sarah's not a fan of Christmas food, so I think what we're going to do is have a few different sort of Nigel Slater easy veggie recipes on the go that feel hearty for this time of year. There's a really good. Um, I know stuff portobello mushrooms can sound a bit like veggie food from the 70s but he does a really good one with tahini and chickpeas um we'll maybe have some brussels sprouts with dill you're quite inspired hang on you're quite inspiring me now because you see the children and justine i think you're gonna have roast beef and i don't really eat red meat um so i was gonna get like a nut roast just a nut roast thing a sort of ready-made nut roast thing so i could order from rudy's too You've, there's been there's been a mad rush on. I don't know if you it might be too. You might have left it too. But late. I'm interested in your where which which um, Nigel Slater is it in this recipe thing? Um, there's, I mean, he does loads of good veggie stuff, and, it, and it's easy. Which so book is it? Got, um, there's a book called Green Feast, and it's in two volumes. There's a spring, summer, right. and an autumn, winter, and the autumn, winter stuff is. So I think we're going to look for a few different things that are really easy, and then put them on the table with this Rudy's Christmas feast. Oh, for the next question, if for some reason you are listening to this podcast with children, look away now. That might be the time to just turn it down or, or turn it off. We're going to get into some adult content. Look look away now. Yeah. You know, the, okay, the, you if you're going to watch this? Match of the Day later on today, the, the, this, 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 these are the results. Spoiler yeah. alert. We've we've given people enough time to, uh, yeah. to stop the podcast if they're yeah. listening with children. Yeah. Okay. This one comes from Anonymous. It says, where do you stand on telling children about Santa? I have an 18-month-old and a nearly four-year-old. My husband and I are adamant that we don't want them to believe in Santa to avoid the lies and inevitable disappointment uh, because I want them to value family time at Christmas over getting presents. My sister is livid, her word, uh, about it, but I think she should respect our parenting decision. I mean, I'm, I'm... Respecting Anonymous's parenting decision, I am in favour of the Santa myth, uh, per- personal choice in favour of propagating the Santa myth. We do the sort of carrot and the doodah under the thingamajigs. Um, Gene, Gene insists on leaving Santa a, a crumpet, some Cheerios and a vitamin pill. Oh, um we used to do NASA Santa Tracker. I think this year I've got a feeling that our children are not going to believe it. Mm. Um, but but they haven't sort of come to me and said, there hasn't been that, mo- that sort of non-Eureka moment. Uh, but I mean, I think it's every, each to their own, isn't it, Jeff? Yeah, I completely respect the choice and in, in, in some ways feel envious, but I like it as a, <laughs> uh, I, I like it. I just like the tradition of it. I like writing the letter. I like the magic of it. Um, and I mean, I guess 90% of people I knew grew up with, maybe more than grew up with it and whatever their issues. I don't know that that many of them are to do with Santa. I also think life is full of lies and disappointment and, uh, you know, it's a good lesson to learn. And finally then, last question. Ready for this? Yeah. Last question. I think it's been a success this AMA, but uh, uh, this is from Nick Bibby, who says, 
what's each of your favourite Christmas memory? You start. I proposed to my wife on Christmas Day, so I think that's wow. Mine. Yes, I mean that is that is a very good Christmas memory. Uh, and if you uh, if you ever see her full live at the Apollo set, the story of that proposal is is told in in uh, somewhat graphic detail. My favourite Christmas memory, I think it probably is spending Christmas in New York one year. Did you go to the pictures and eat Chinese food? Yes. We, Did you really? We went to the pictures. I don't think we ate Chinese food, but 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 I, I, I it was something quite romantic about being in New York for Christmas. Fairy tale of New York. I love New York. And the bells were ringing out for Christmas Day. Thank you to everybody who sent in a question. We got through as many as we could. We uh, didn't quite get to all of them for time constraints. Um, I think this is already going to be a long episode. But uh, any any closing words, Ed? Well, look, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was a chance. To, I mean, to be honest, I enjoyed it because it was a chance to sort of muse about the world with you, and that was that's always a that's always a good thing to do. Um, but most of all, I just want to really wish our listeners a happy Christmas and people who aren't our listeners as well. Um, no, fuck them. <laughs> um, uh, that's not very nice. Um, Ebenezer. Uh, they, 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 they can't hear us. Uh, well, that's true, I suppose. It's a- what, what's going to happen? Our listeners are going to go around to people who don't listen saying, oh, just so you know, Ed Miliband's co-host says, fuck you this Christmas. <laughs> um, it's not going to happen. Well, they, it's fine. I can say what I like about it. They might them. do that. Um, <laughs> I, I want to wish everybody a happy Christmas, whether they're our listeners or not, Jeff. Um, and... Look, you know, this is going to be very, it's going to be a very peculiar Christmas, I think, for lots of people for a whole range of reasons to do with COVID. Um, but I hope people have a decent Christmas. And ne- next week, I'm really looking forward to our New Year episode, which is our top 10 of the year. Um, and I'm going to say this next week, but 2021 has got to be better than 2020, in my view. So, couldn't get much worse. 2020. You know, goodbye to 2020. I'm sure there are some good things that have happened in 2020, but it's a sort of, you know, you know, thanks for not so much 2020. Um, uh, and I hope people have a great, uh, a really, really nice Christmas. And, and we're really grateful to you for being our listeners. Mm-hmm.